0: today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, today I'm having a guest star on. Her name is Megan and she's one of my friends. And today's episode is going to be on grief and the journey to healing and everything that goes along with that. And now I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi hey there. My name
1: is Megan Bajoric. I am a widowed mother of three. Um, I've been widowed for about two and a half years now. i well, I lost uh, my husband, Scott, in September of 2016. And he was the father of all three of my children. Um, We were married at that point for uh, almost 10 years. Um, So in September, uh, it was a normal September afternoon. Scott had left work and he called me and he said that he would, um, he was on his way home. And it was just a normal day we were just kind of talking about our day and he asked if he could call me back So he called me back two minutes later and told me that he had a tough turn um, that he had to make there and he just didn't want to be on the phone while he made it uh, And I remember thinking on like I'm just so grateful like uh, that he is safe you know he's just he's um what would you say like a cautious driver. Ca- yeah, he's just a cautious driver. So we were talking about the weekend because it was a Friday afternoon and we were talking about what we had going on that weekend. And he uh, he was mid-sentence talking about something and that's when it sounded as if the phone had been thrown down a staircase. It was very confusing. And I would later find out that he was struck head-on by another driver who crossed the median um yeah, across the median and hit him head on, killing Scott instantly. Um, I, I stayed on the phone for about 45 minutes uh, and, and heard, like, the emergency workers and everything approach the vehicle, and I knew something was very wrong. If he wasn't gone already, he was hanging on by a thread. So it was a very, very sudden loss. It was very traumatic. Um, yeah, just a huge tragedy, and something that, you know, now my children and I have to deal with, you know, we have to manage.
0: So what would you say has been the hardest part of your journey?
1: Uh, definitely. There's a ton of hardest parts <laughs> um, Yeah, because I find myself saying it all the time. Like, Oh, the hardest part is this and the hardest part is that. But hands down, the hardest part is my children's grief. Um, grieving while having grieving, confused children is, is just so complicated, and there's so many layers to it. Um, I can be having a good day, and I can feel good, like I, we're moving in a forward direction. We're positive, and if one of my kids is having a a, a bad day, then I'm having a bad day too. It brings you right yeah, back into it. So,
0: how um what do you guys do to like get through days when you're having your low days? Like, what is your go-to? Like, we need to do this to
1: when um like if like. Myself or my children? Both. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the little ones are a little bit easier because they... You just have a little conversation with them and they're pretty good. Um, Sophia, my oldest, we do a lot of... Um, we just talk it out. I mean, we just talk and I let her... It's very important that I honor how she feels. I never um, rush her feelings. If she's sad... I allow her to feel it's a sad right. day and that's I give her permission to feel feel the sadness and I think just by giving her the permission um I think that helps tremendously. She um a big thing is is it's like it's okay to feel sad but it's not okay to stop doing the things you enjoy because you're sad. So it's like yeah, you can do this while feeling sad. But it's not okay to just stop, you know, doing doing the things that you love or or at least trying to find things that you love, even while sad.
0: I think that's really important because I feel like um, just regular parents sometimes don't let their kids feel their feelings, mm-hmm. and this like is a whole other layer on top of that. That like, if you were to, not that you ever would, because you're not like, but if you were to try to like suppress her feelings, I feel like it, she would just explode inside. It's
1: true, and I think that happens with a lot of people. I think, I think society in general, at least the one we live in, um, feels this constant need to be happy and elevated all the time, like, and to me, that's just so unrealistic, and it's the quickest way to finding depression and anxiety if you don't honor your feelings and allow yourself to have a winter in your life, you know, a mm-hmm. sadness. There's just, it's just kind of human
0: nature, you know. That makes me think of that kid's movie where all the emotions are in your head, and, like, she, mm-hmm. like she keeps trying to get rid of yes, sadness, Yes, yeah. but then, it's, like, um, she realizes... Inside out, right? Inside out, yeah. Yeah, and she realizes how important sadness is because, like, I almost feel like allowing yourself to feel that sadness and anything, like, makes you appreciate the good things so much more. It really, it's, it's
1: really good for the soul. It, 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 like, enriches the soul and it, 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 it allows you to step outside of yourself you know, when you are happy and you see someone else who's sad too, like there's just, it it builds empathy. There's a lot that goes with it, I think. Yeah. And it definitely makes you appreciate happy things, joyful moments for sure.
0: Okay. So I know that like, there are probably a lot of people out there that try to say things that are helpful and nice, but what are some things people have said to you that, you know, their intentions were good, but you're just like, Oh, why would you say that?
1: Oh, there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot. And I think, I mean, like, cause I've, since being widowed, I've I've met so many widows and stuff and and we all kind of have our own little pet peeves. A lot of things I'm pretty good about letting roll off my back, but I'm trying to think. I'll, um There's, you know, there's people I've had people say like, "Well, I hope you can move on someday," or "I hope you can find Someone said to me, "I hope you can find your optimism" or something, and it was like I don't know, it was very puzzling. Like the whole move on thing. Um, I think it's just a very confusing like people are just confused, you know, they don't really get it. I don't know what else. Um I think because I had a good marriage, a lot of people not a lot, but there's there's been people who are like, Well, at least you had something good. And I get it. I know it's good natured, but it's like there's nothing about me who's like that's ungrateful for it, but I I don't know how to take that when someone says that to me. Like, well, I'm lucky I even had it. It's like mm, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that almost sounds know. like I don't know. That that would be an insult it, it, to me it, too. It
1: just it just bugs me because it's we we had something good because we both worked for something good. It wasn't like it just came. It's not like it just fell on me and right. We you didn't weren't have just to work like, for everything yeah. we had. It. I mean, we definitely worked hard at our marriage and communicating and having a, what in other people's, in other people's eyes see as a good relationship.
0: Um, I admired your guys' relationship a lot. Because yeah, you yeah. guys worked as a team and I really liked, because he would come up to dance and bring the kids and like you would come up to dance. And a lot of times you don't see couples that like share that responsibility yeah. with their children. And like, I always really admired. Yeah,
1: we were definitely a team, but even like if, you know, to make that analogy with the team, even like within a team, There's dissonance and there's disagreements and you have to build the connection. It's not like it just, I feel like when people say something like, you're lucky to even have had that, they have like this attitude or this notion that it's just going to like strike you and, and like it just, like I was just bestowed it. This great relationship. I wasn't it wasn't in a package handed to me. we we
0: worked for it, so right you guys started at the bottom and you worked yeah,
1: I don't know. maybe I'm misunderstanding something with it, but it just it does bug me because it's like, well, did I deserve this then or I don't know. it's just there's something very strange about it to me.
0: So. I feel like, yeah, that's an odd comment. Just same thing with like people telling you like you should move on with your life. Well, you have moved on with your life in certain ways, but you're never gonna forget about yeah. everything. and I feel like that's something people don't realize that like, you can move on and still do things that you're meant mm-hmm. to do, like you've made a career change, you moved to a new house. Yeah, you're moving on and doing things, but you're still, you're not like saying, oh, well, forget about my life before. You know, you're no. still. And it's, it's a know.
1: very confusing process to do that, to even like make changes and then, you know, cause I've pretty much changed everything about myself. Um, not necessarily intentionally, it just kind of happened. And in, in some aspects I had to, to survive um but yeah it's it's a confusing process and i feel like we're moving forward but you love somebody you're never going to like that does that door never shuts you know you you, i'm always going to love him i'm Mm -hmm. always going to love him so that's a hard concept to people like you know like with uh prospectively dating and things like that, people don't understand that I can love somebody and then still keep the other door open to possibly dating, you know, and right. things like that and meeting someone else. So uh, some people just need it tied up in a little boat. And
0: See, I don't like that because I am, I'm one of those people that feels like you have, like, you can have different soulmates in your mm-hmm. life. And, like, just because maybe you date someone else, that doesn't mean that, like, Oh, well, my relationship with Scott didn't matter. Like yeah. it's you that's still you still can love someone <laughs> and it's like true. you know, well, it's the biggest analogy. You can love two
1: people. The biggest analogy I I think really really works is with kids. Like you have your first child, you don't think you can love anything more. And then you have your second child and the heart expands like I could cry. Like I get really but the heart expands and like if anything, I've I've learned how to love. Like I've learned all about Love and such on such a deeper level um, from losing, you know, the love of my life. So,
0: okay. So, I know your parents have been like a huge support system. Mm-hmm. Like, what other people in your life have really stepped up and kind of been your pillars?
1: Uh, my parents have been huge. The community in general really supported me. Um, we we come from a small town, and then my kids went to school in an even smaller town, <laughs> and 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 the death was fairly public so I feel like the community for for a long time really supported us and um even after with the trial and stuff they were still really supportive so I would say that in general and then on a data data level other than my parents um you know like I my aunt and uncle have been really supportive I've had uh, gosh I've had a ton of support I'm so so grateful for the people in my life um you know, I've made new friends who are super helpful, and it's it's just been awesome.
0: Have you lost any friends since then that you realized weren't? Yeah, yeah. I. Because th- I feel like some people don't know how to react to yeah. your situation, and maybe they just, like, back away. And I feel like that's not the right thing to do. I don't know.
1: So... Some people just can't handle it. I mean, and this is something that really pissed me off when I got married... Or not, not when I got married, when I, when he died. Um, and it's because now I, I have, like, this huge cloud over me. Like, I'm associated with this big, negative, tragic story. And if you know Scott and I on a personal level, like, we're very positive people. And just to be associated with something so dark, it made me very mad. Um... So keeping that in mind, there's just some people who can't be around me because I have that story attached to me. I make them uncomfortable. They don't know what to say to me. Um, it makes me really sad. Yeah, and it's it's sad, but also, too, um, I don't spend a ton of time fixating on them. I just, if if you're, they're too weak. They're just, they're too weak yeah. to handle it. And And by letting them go and not fixating on it, I open myself up to, Strong people, stronger people, people who lift me up. Who we lift each other up, and um, it's just been, it's been a crazy life. It's just been
0: crazy. I can't even imagine. Yeah, people. I, I, I people do get uncomfortable with a lot of stuff. Like they do. There are a lot of sensitive.
1: Well, it kind people. of goes back to like the society, the whole society thing. Like me, you know, when I say people feel like they need to be happy all the time. Yeah. So if they're of that mindset, they don't want to be around somebody who has something, you know, tragic or less than happy going on because they because then they might have to deal with the you know their own
0: their own problems and yeah. their own sadness and yeah that makes me
1: really sad though because i ugh. it's hard it's hard for people
0: i know it is sad it is sad so what do you do yourself when you're having like your low days the days where you're just like i don't want to get out of bed i just want to sit here and do nothing but think and process
1: I give myself a little bit of grace, but I I can't sit there too long. <laughs> I definitely give myself a little bit of grace. Um, I think in the beginning I was pushing myself too hard, and I realized that that's that's not good either.
0: Trying to drown it all out. Yeah,
1: just distraction, just a lot of distraction, even whether positive or negative. Just you know, sometimes you just have to deal with. Think I mean. Sometimes you just have to deal with things. But so, uh, yeah, usually I give myself a little bit of grace. And I always say, like, no matter what time of day it is, I can always start over. I I will, um, like, read a devotional journal, a couple pages, uh, listen to something motivational, and then just start the day over, you know, even if it's 6 o'clock in the evening, and just try and get something done. So
0: That makes sense. I yeah. like that. At least you're not, yeah, because, I mean... Like we were talking about earlier, like you need to like have those feelings, but it's like I, I watched this video where this dad, this little girl, was like having a terrible day, and he's like, "It's okay to be sad. Just make sure you don't stay here too long." Yeah, and like that's I really exactly do. It. And even all your emotions, like you can't stay happy for too long either, because that's just not realistic. No, it's not. <laughs> that's not real life. No, it's not. Yeah. What um, what have you learned from other widows that? you couldn't get, you know, like things that you learned from them that obviously other people couldn't help inspire you with? Um, I, th-
1: some interesting things I've learned, like, and you might even be able to relate to this too, with being a single mom. Like I can't be dad. Like it was really hard for me. Like, how am I going to be myself and then fulfill this role too, as a father? Like. Is that okay for me to say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: No, like, I, <laughs> I feel you I on that. <laughs> no,
1: but it's, and like, it, it was stressful. It's, and it's, it's unrealistic, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like, part of accepting my story is also accepting my kid's story too. And yeah, it's not the one I would have chosen for them, but their story is that their father was taken from them and they have their mom. And if I try and be him I mean, I, then I lose, then they lose a part of me, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I'd rather be a hundred percent me and give them the best of me than trying to uh, spread myself too thin. So that was pretty revo- revelational or re- I'm not going to say that word right, but it was fantastic. It was good. Yeah. It was a big moment.
0: <laughs> I don't know what the right <laughs> word is trying not to use big words right now
1: because <laughs> so it's been that kind of day, but yeah, I think that was a big one. Um. I think just seeing other people doing things, like still functioning, um, and kinda of getting over myself, like a little bit. And I, I think you hear what's what I've been through and you I mean, I could very easily be like poor me and mm-hmm. but I'm lots of people have lost loved ones in car accidents. Lots of people have lost others suddenly, lots of people have had loved ones Um, come down with terminal illnesses and have to watch them wither away to nothing. And if I keep that into perspective, I'm not, and that's not to minimize what's happened in our life, but if I keep that in perspective, I'm, I'm not alone. So it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of getting over myself a little bit by having that community has helped me just in general. I mean, they have a strength in, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, if everybody's grieving to some degree, because um, if you, if you've ever loved anyone or anything, there's grief there. If mm-hmm. you, if you lose it, you know, and if you haven't, you're going to eventually. It's just it's it's, it's a matter part of, time. of life. Yeah, and I think that's another hard part for me is I remind people of that. Like just being in my presence, it reminds people that death exists, which is
0: which is sobering. It is hard for a lot of people. It's hard for me even sometimes, you know, yeah. to think about stuff like that. It's, um, yeah, I've absolutely. lost grandparents, but I've never lost anybody super close to me. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't know how I would handle that. Like, I've thought about, like, what I'll do when I lose my parents or siblings or anybody. And it's, I, I don't, the honest truth is, like, I don't know how I would react right away. I feel like I would be, ugh.
1: Yeah, Scott and I used to talk about it. And I'd be like, you know, I am not going to be, like, this positive person um, making the best of it. And, like, he would laugh at me. But um, I think just being married to him, like, I knew I had to be positive. (laughs) Like, we have, I have our kids. Like, I, there wasn't really a choice, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't know if positive is the word, but I I think it probably is, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, I think, like, I've. I think it's really inspirational that, like, because I feel like a lot of times when people go through what you're going through, they, you could easily just, like, give up and not do anything. Like, you could easily just, like, lose all motivation, all hopes and dreams. But I feel like, I almost feel like you took your pain and kind of channeled it into doing better things. And, like, with your realtor stuff, like, I think that's really great. And I something I knew you would be good at when you told me you were getting into that just because of who you are. But I feel like you've taken your pain and kind of, like, transformed it or, like, shaped it into something better.
1: Yeah, I think because I I am angry. I'm not bitter. There's a big difference. I am angry. And I so, like, the pain makes me angry. And it's a constant reminder. Mm -hmm. And so the anger, I feel like, is anger gives you energy. And I feel like if you can shape it to, you know, turn your pain and anger into power, you know, it's like, well screw this, I'm going to, I'm going to use this pain and make it something useful. You know, if I'm going to, if this is going to be my life, then I'm going to be useful in some way, right. you know? Right, make it Yeah. the
0: best of. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And and the biggest thing initially was, like, when I get to the afterlife, I just want him to tell me how proud he is of me. Like, I, I want him to say, you did it, you know? Um, and so that's extremely motivating. I think <laughs> he definitely motivating.
0: will. I yeah. feel like... um just seeing, like, everything that you've done and everything. I just feel like... And then when you were going through everything with the court stuff, like, I was angry for you for yeah. all that. Every time you post something, I would just get so mad. I was sitting here on my couch, on my computer, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like,
1: yeah, it, um, like I was yeah.
0: pissed when I like, read all that. I was like, no, this is not how this is supposed to happen. I know. This is not justice. It's
1: not, but it's, it's... That's okay, too. It's, like, something I just can't fixate on. I have to fixate on, you know the kids and our life and what I want for them, what Scott always wanted for them. Right, yeah, you can't change. I can't, and if I try to fixate on things that I can't change, I, oh, that's like, and it, it's happened, you know, like for a day, a day or two, and I'll, I'll, I'll realize what's going on, and, you know, and then I have to like.
0: Pull yourself right out put of myself it.
1: myself together, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's just, it's a quick road to, it's a dark road, you know, to mm-hmm. go down, but. Yeah, I don't know. I spent a lot of time in bed after, <laughs> like, immediately after. That would be me. Yeah. For uh, sure. And I, luckily, again, I had, like, my aunt and my mom, and people would come over and take the kids to school. I think I can't even remember because you'd be surprised, like, mm-hmm. how much um, shock protects you. Like, I don't have a whole lot of memory from that time. Um, but I'm pretty sure, uh, my mom and my aunt were taking the kids to school for about a month and it was like a month. And I was like, no, I need to like, at least take them to school. And mm-hmm. I started taking them to school and then I would go, I'd go immediately home and lay in bed for like the second month. And, um, I would wait for signs from him. Cause you know, you get like signs and, and it was like one day in the second month where I just realized I was like just laying in bed waiting for signs mm-hmm. and I like spoke I spoke it out loud and I was like, I love you, but I can't, I can't just wait for signs anymore. Like I have to actually Mm -hmm. figure out how to live. And I didn't immediately, even like making that decision, I didn't know how I was going to go about it, but that's, That's I started getting out of bed, you know, and like kind of trying to navigate my day. And, um, I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't know how it happened, but it's just kind of like baby steps and,
0: I feel like that's all you can do you have to, as long as you're starting somewhere yeah
1: I mean exactly. that's the
0: most important
1: yeah exactly it's just it doesn't have to be this huge massive movement to change but just little things here and there and that's I just kept building little things little things and now I have a job and <laughs> I'm I feel like we're doing pretty well you know as, as you know as well as we
0: can be right now how was it when you had to tell your kids what happened did you tell them immediately that day?
1: No, well, I was still in shock. I didn't... It was very strange. Um, it is very, very strange. I was in shock um, after having called his family because they were all together waiting for me to to find out because I was driving around with my parents looking for him because, um, again, it happened on the phone, <clears throat> and I knew he was hanging on by a threat. So we were calling hospitals and trying to figure out where he was at. And, um, we pretty much, I pretty much knew because I got a phone call saying, go home. The police officer's going to come to your house and they'll let you know how he's doing. And I was like, no, like I knew, we like knew I just knew. Moment. Yeah. So we went home we waited. The, the police officer told us, and then, um, you know, you know, he had the whole breakdown and everything. And then I called his family, which was terrible. They came over. So then... At this, all during this time, my children had been dropped off at my aunt's house. So they were with my aunt and uncle, and they had no idea what was going on yet. I think my aunt knew at that point. But I remember sitting, the kids weren't home, and I was sitting with all of his family, all of my family, and I I was like, well, like, maybe I should wait till next week to tell them. And, like, everybody's faces were just, like, puzzled, like, why would you wait till next week? And I just was like, think I don't even remember what was going on to wh- why I would rationalize like
0: next week. You didn't want to hurt him.
1: Yeah. I thought, well, we'll just schedule that in um, at a different time. But I forget who said, you, sh- you should probably tell them right away. You don't want to let it go on too too much longer. And together we figure out a plan. It was actually his brother was like, I think your parents should be here downstairs, like, you should take them one by one. I didn't have to tell Jackson because he was, he was barely two. Um, you should take them each one by one, and then you can send the other one to your parents, And which was a really good plan on his part, and I'm really grateful for that. Uh, telling them is probably was, telling them was, like, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life.
0: I can't And imagine. I've done a
1: lot of really hard things. And that was, that's something that I just don't wish for anybody to have to do, to to look into your kids' eyes and tell them that. It's just, it's terrible. Like, seeing the color of their eyes change as you
0: tell them, it's just, it's pretty terrible. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> Especially Sophia, being older probably yeah. was a lot harder.
1: They had both very different reactions, um, both really sad Um So in the evening, they came back in the evening, and I didn't tell them that night. I told them the next morning. I just, I still needed to figure out how I was going to go about it. So in the evening, I tucked them in, and they were worried. Sophia was worried about her dad, and I I lied. And this is the the last time I ever lied to her about any of it, because I later learned, like, it's just not good. Mm -hmm. But I told her, like, he was in the hospital, and they're working on him. You know, we don't know how he's doing yet. And she was like, okay. And, like, it, it will be okay. So then the next morning I told her um, that he didn't make it. And, yeah, that was that was pretty awful. And then Sophia was more vocal and then Lydia more internalized, like, immediately. Like, kind of in, just kind of went into herself a little bit more. Um, when I think about that. I don't know how we got, how we got through it. I really
0: don't. It was pretty, pretty dark and terrible. I remember at the funeral, I was sitting in a chair and Jackson brought up a book that had everybody in your family and he's pointing out who everybody is mm-hmm. and I had to like keep myself together because he was about to make me ball my eyes out yeah. and I'm like, oh my God, because he's telling me who everybody is in this book and it's your whole family and it's Scott and it's yeah. your, your other two and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna lose it because I knew he didn't understand but he knew who these people were, yeah. and he wanted to tell me. And I was like, oh, dear Lord, I'm not that strong. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I need to not... <laughs> I can't hard. look you in the eyes right now.
1: <laughs> he was... Because um, he, for a year after, every night I'd rock him, and he'd ask to... We, we had to rock him with a picture of him and his dad. Like, he always had to have that with them, like, f- to fall asleep to. Um, so even as young as he was, he was still very connected to his dad. Um, he looks
0: so much like Scott. He
1: acts just like him. He walks just like him. <laughs> so you he's still like, have a big like piece of him. I do. It's so weird
0: sometimes. It's really cool. It's I just kinda, weird how genetics work. I'm excited so. to see what he looks like when he grows up because I, I feel I feel like he's going to look just like him. He is.
1: He's like a little blonde version of Scott. It's so cute. <laughs> Your videos of him make me laugh. Like he, He's a goofball. He's just got and he thinks he's a man. He's the, he is the man he of the is, house, and he takes it very seriously. He thinks he has a mustache, and like he just gets really—he's <laughs> got like body dysmorphic thing going on, but it's like for like in a totally different way. Like he thinks he has a mustache, and he gets really mad if you like if say, you tell him he doesn't. Yeah, the mustache—it's like, so cute.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah,
1: he doesn't realize how little he is.
0: I love that. Yeah. <laughs> See, and like I feel like did your kids. Like, I know it's hard seeing them, like, knowing, like, everything that you're all feeling, but do they make it easier because of their silliness and, like, their personalities? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I don't know where... I would be, like, a severe alcoholic in a gutter if I didn't have my kids. Like, they push me forward. They make me laugh. They make me want to be better every day. Um, Yeah, they inspire me, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know where I'd be without my kids
0: let's talk about your writing. Um, I know that's like been one of your biggest places to heal, yeah, um, and every time I read anything that you write, you make me cry <laughs> in a good way. It's never know. it's never a bad. Sorry, thing. I always feel like I have to warn people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind it because it's like it's real. It's raw. and I feel like more people need to just be authentic, right. And I feel like your writing is very authentic. Thank it's you. very you, and it's I feel I can tell like that your writing helps you,
1: yeah, thank you it does and a lot of times it'll be an issue when I start writing and then by the time I finish writing and editing and like working through the words of it um, it's almost it's a release it's like it's done it's it, it's been an extremely healing process I've always written I've always been someone who journaled or wrote or I was always writing um, so it, this just kinda came natural it was just my na- my nature to go and write been kind of strange doing it through social media because I never was like super extroverted or outgoing a little bit. But um, I feel like something about going through this trauma has just like put me on a megaphone or something. It's just so strange. Um, it's fine. It's I almost,
0: just weird. I almost feel like you are like the best of both worlds. Like you're an introvert and an extrovert. Like depending on where you yeah, are. Yeah, thanks. For like me. I really feel like you're both. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> you always tell me you feel awkward, and I'm like, you're not awkward. I'm awkward. No, like I know you say <laughs> that too, and
1: I'm like, what? Oh, you're crazy. Like, I'm the awkward one. You do some weird stuff, and then I like, but now I just own it. Like yeah. before, I'd be like, oh, that's weird. I'm just like, I get so insecure.
0: I tell Bella all the time. I'm like. If you're not weird, there's something wrong with you because normal true. people are boring, and they're actually the weirdos. It's
1: true. <laughs> so. It's true. It's like you meet somebody you want to meet. Their, you want to like know their weirdness and their quirks. and Yeah. Because I but
0: don't know. You can't have good conversations with no. people that aren't a little bit weird. No. And it's just like, who are you? Yeah. It's, <laughs> go away. <it's> true. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. <laughs> okay. So I want to go back to something. Okay. Um, and I know this is like part of, like, with everybody's, oh, the move on thing, but do you think that you could ever love again? Is that something that you've thought, I mean, I'm sure it's something that you've thought about. Do you think that that's in the realm of, or is that, like, a long time out for you still opening your heart up Oh, like
1: that? yeah, I definitely could. I definitely could love again. Um, and for, it, it's taken me some time to, like, be able to say that. To get to that, yeah. To get to that. A lot of, a lot of processing, but it's, I used to think it would be a betrayal to even entertain that idea, um, and Scott and I have that, did actually talk about that before he passed away. Um, you know, if if one of us died, would you remarry? Would you want the other one to remarry? And he was like, "Yeah, of course I would want you to. Like, I don't want you to be alone." Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, "I was like, well, if I die, you are gonna like light candles. <laughs> and the you whole have to die too." <laughs> and, in my house, in your house, like yeah. you were never remarrying. He's like, okay, cool. <laughs> this is so weird. So I, I mean, I, I did. I knew he would be okay with it. I just knowing him, but still, like, it felt, it felt like a betrayal to even entertain it. Um, but as time went on, I, I realized it's almost a betrayal not to love again, like because, because of what, because what we had here, like on this earth together is it was special um to not live with to not at least keep myself open to that again I don't know I, I to deny myself that I, I don't know if that's that's not really living you No, know? I
0: feel like it's betraying yourself yeah and and because you deserve love thank you because you had that, just yeah. because you already had great love once doesn't mean you don't deserve it yeah twice. I know I so don't know. it
1: I mean, in the right circumstance, with the right circumstances, yes, I'm
0: definitely open to it. There was a I went to school with this guy uh, college, and um, probably two years after we graduated, he got this really rare form of cancer that usually only affects children. Very strange. Wow. In his in his head, Um, and like they beat it the first time. He had just got married. His wife gets pregnant. They have a baby. When the baby's three months old he died. Oh my god! And she's remarried now. But it took a few years for her to finally get to that point. And I don't, I actually didn't know her. I only knew him. But just like seeing, she still tags him in posts on Facebook of, you know, their daughter mm-hmm. together. She has a new baby who's less than a year old. And, uh, I just, I, think I was that's really beautiful. happy I think that's really
1: beautiful like that she kept herself open to those possibilities and she's Life is never, like, I mean, like, new life, like a baby or introducing a a, a great person into your life, that's never a bad thing, like, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, you know. So to close yourself off, I, I, I couldn't see myself closing, closing off like that and just shutting that door. No.
0: No, not at all. Yeah, so. I mean, that was something I found inspiring with her was that she... She still, like, tags Austin and yeah. stuff. And she, she writes about how him. she still yeah. loves him. And her husband does not care because he, you know, like, there's some people out there, he's dead, you shouldn't love him anymore, you should love me. Like, there are people like that. Oh, there's a lot of people like that. <laughs> Which yeah. is, like, disgusting. Mm-hmm. But her husband is just very much...
1: Yeah, because he's, he's confident in himself. There's yeah. a lot of insecure people out there. Um, dating as a widow is, not, is, is no joke. It's not easy. But, yeah,
0: I would imagine. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Dating as a single mom of one is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one kid yeah. and I have like all the excuses in the world. <laughs> like, where do you find people? Um, I don't really go to bars anymore. Right. I don't want to meet anybody in a bar. If I go to a coffee shop, I'm not going to find anybody except for like the 60 year old people yeah. drinking their coffee. I know. I really know. Like, where are these people that I'm supposed to be meeting? <laughs>
1: it's the truth.
0: I know. It's so hard. Oh, yeah. goodness. Let's see. What else do I have? Okay. What's something that you would like other people to know to better understand, like your grief, your personal grief, like people that you know? What would you want them to know?
1: Okay. So this, this is somebody who's not in a similar situation like I me. Mean, just a
0: just an everyday living person. a
1: regular American life. Um. I would want them to know that it's never ending and always changing it's something I have to kind of adapt to every day. I have to be in tune with myself enough to kind of figure out where I'm at on the spectrum of grief and then adjust. And so you might, I, I think for a person who hasn't experienced real loss, they might see me one day and think I'm totally like moved on. They might see me the next day and, and I look like I'm struggling. They don't
0: realize that grief goes up and down.
1: It never ends. Yeah. It just doesn't end, and that's a very hard concept. But it's comparable to... um, I compare it to a chronic illness like arthritis. Um, Arthritis is something you're always going to have once once you're diagnosed with it. Some days you might be more achy than others. Some days you might be more... You might feel real good and be active, you know?
0: That makes a lot of sense, actually.
1: That's... That's what I would say.
0: (laughs) Are there any, like, resources that you recommend to anybody who is grieving and who has experienced great loss, like, places to go, people to talk to, like, is there a certain, like, resource that was, that worked well for you?
1: Okay, so, yes. Like, number one, and I don't know if, like, if you're a religious person or, you know, whatever faith you have, number one is probably, like, praying or meditating and just getting really in tune with like energy. And for me, it's, it's, I call it God and, and I'm Christian. So that, that's my faith. So that would be number one. Um, Number two was just getting active and, and um, working out my anxiety through like moving my body, but moving on beyond that, I would say those are the two most important, but moving on beyond that, um, there are resources out there. You can go on Facebook and find support groups for widows, private groups for, um, you know, parents who are grieving children. Uh, locally, uh, for my children and I, we are, um, we signed up for Sandcastles in December. This is, uh, So it would be like two, three months after we lost Scott. And what they do is, every, it's for families whose children are experiencing loss. Everybody comes in and they have dinner together. And then... After dinner, you split off into groups that are age-appropriate, and each group, you know, if the little ones will do, like, a grief-related activity or something honoring their person that they lost, Um, teenagers have something else they do, and then, like, the grown-ups have, like, kind of a uh, group—it's kind of grief therapy, but a lot of it is, like, you know, there's a single dad in there who lost—you know, they lost the mom— And he's got a daughter and he's like, you know, my daughter just started her period and I don't know what to do. And like you know, so there's a lot of that too. Like
0: that makes a
1: lot of sense. So, like it's there's different communities you can go and find for sure. So that would be Yeah. I mean, and if you're into therapy, therapy helped me a lot because I wasn't putting so much on the people I loved.
0: You know? I feel like a lot of people don't realize how good therapy I haven't done it, I I need to. I will admit it. I'm putting yeah. it out there for everybody. I yeah. need it. But I feel like um, you need an unbiased opinion. You do. Opinion because yes. your family is going to do whatever it is to try to make you feel good. And your friends are going to do whatever it is to try to make. They're not going to give you an unbiased opinion. They're going to yeah. try to do whatever they think is going to make you happy. And that's, yeah,
1: it's in and their that, nature because they love you. that's a you. Band-aid. Yeah. 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 So I, I totally agree. And I looked forward to my therapy sessions. I look forward to saving things for her because there's, there's just a lot of things. I don't want to weigh down my family with, with my heaviness. And then we're just playing off each other and we're all just grieving. And it's just like one big bowl of confusing sadness where it's like, I'll save my really crazy sad shit for her. <laughs> for her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just dump it all on her. And I feel so much better. Like just knowing that that's coming, I'll save it all and then unload and I feel better. Kind of like my writing too, but.
0: Yeah, I feel like, (laughs) I imagine, like, you walk out, and you're, like, unbuttoning your coat, and you're, like, ah, I'm going to throw this. Yeah, yeah,
1: I feel a lot better after, you know. Um, But, yeah, I would encourage people to not shut the door on on therapy. It might take a while to find a good therapist and stuff, too, but.
0: Yeah, I feel like you'd have to find somebody who actually, like, specializes in grief, if you're, you know what I mean, so that they have the right tools. Right. Because therapy is such, like, a broad mm-hmm. thing that, like, you need somebody who's knows what you're going through. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Are there any ways that you guys have incorporated Scott into your new house?
1: Yeah, we have, um, well, each of the kids have, like, a collage frame of him in their room, and then, um, you know, we have pictures up of him, and um, there's lots of little things, like jewelry and different things that we have. Um, he's got a memory box. Well, there's like two memory boxes of just all his stuff in there, and those are up on the um, on the bookshelf. Um, just different notes and things that he's written to me, and yeah, it's pretty cool. He's he's everywhere. That's good. <laughs> I feel everywhere. like that's
0: really important.
1: Yeah, it is, and it, that was something that I had to process through too. Um,
0: was it hard moving mm-hmm. because of all the memories in that house together? Yeah, and it's still hard. I know I made the right decision.
1: There's no... I don't have any regrets about it. I had to move for a number of reasons. Um, Probably one being the fact that the house was old, and we bought it knowing we would renovate it. And it it did go through my mind, well, oh, I could renovate it all and in his honor, and that would be a beautiful story. But it's also extremely unrealistic for somebody who's... I had to build a career because I didn't have anything in that realm. And I had three kids, and I was by myself, so there was no way I was going to do that. And secondly, um being on the phone with him that day, I um I have a lot of issues with sirens and alarms and things like that.
0: Oh, and you're close to everything there. So I was
1: on Main Street, so there was ambulances mm-hmm. going by every day. Um, and then lastly, because in this I think this would have died off, but because it was public, I was having people like show up at the house to ask me how I was doing, but not, like, people I knew. Strangers were showing up.
0: Oh, no. Yeah,
1: or, like... Why do people think that's okay? <laughs> it was very... and Especially when you're grieving and you just... You, you feel don't want to so, see anybody. And you just lost your husband. You feel so... I feel so vulnerable, like, living... I've never lived by myself at this point, so I don't... It's just scary. It was really scary. And, like, yeah, I, I had somebody, like, send flowers from him. Like, and I still don't know who did it. That's creepy. Yeah. I would be
0: angry. Yeah, it made me very upset. I and mean, then I don't even know who to be mad at. And I'm sure the intentions were probably good, but there's so many people who don't realize, like, you don't do that. I know, people
1: think they're helping, and that's what I've learned. Um, I think less is more with helping, like, just stripping it down. You don't have to do these out crazy, outrageous things, like listening, making a meal. Just listening is huge and not um, forcing someone to feel a certain way. You know, that's huge. But, yeah, the that flowers thing was crazy.
0: That's just messed mm. up. So that's why
1: we moved. That's, but I miss—I do that? miss the house. I and we have lots of great memories with it. And sometimes I'm like, well, maybe someday I'll buy it back and just have it. And I—I I don't know. It's we have lots of good you can memories. Turn it like, into
0: like a b and e or something.
1: I know it would be a perfect home for that. Yeah. So that so, would be yeah. really
0: cool. I know. Now I'm like thinking of it. I know. Well, at the makes- <laughs> time
1: before I sold it, I was like, well, maybe I could rent it out. But then I didn't—I didn't really want to have to like manage that either. I wasn't ready to to be able to do that so
0: no and like you wouldn't want to you're when you're grieving you don't want to renovate a home like no no like oh what am I gonna do I'm gonna use all my grief to renovate no you're not like, and some
1: people have like I know uh widowers who have and like, but I again do it's like with my writing it's like for the for these men It was like their way of, it was their outlet. But for me, it doesn't come natural for me to renovate. Right. So I was like, (laughs) I don't even know where to start. We're,
0: let's just move. (laughs) Let's just buy a new house.
1: Yeah. And the kids were really, I had them involved. I had them, you know, help pick out the house and they missed the old house too, but they, they feel attachment to this house because they had a say in it. So, so yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) They're tough decisions. They're tough decisions they have to make. Yeah.
0: All right, so I'm going to have you tell people where they can find you, how they can reach you, and uh, like what social medias you're on. Okay, so my name
1: is Megan Bajoric and I am on Instagram and Facebook. My blog is liveforthereunion.com. Um, you can also look me up through Instagram and Facebook with liveforthereunion. Um, I'll be under either of those, my name or, or my blog's name. Yeah. I also write for Love What Matters, too. Yeah.
0: Are you like one of the people? now? Yeah, I'm a
1: contributing writer for
0: Love What Matters. Okay, I know that you wrote the two for that, but I didn't. Yeah, and he asked me to write um,
1: weekly or bi weekly. So, and it's been about three weeks, so I'm like. You're new? Yeah, I have to. um, But I've had like writer's block and stuff. I I have a few things that are coming.
0: That's exciting. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that.
1: Yeah, I know. It's kind of cool. Now, where are they um, out of? New York. New York. He lives. I think in Manhattan. Now, did you connect uh, with him or did he find you? Uh, he found me through Instagram, Colin Bauff. Um, It was just random and I didn't know if it was really him. So, you know, like you have yeah, weird people I like do connect with you on Instagram, you know, <laughs> and you're time. like, okay, buddy. Um, but I looked him up and I kept re-looking him up and then looking him up more and I was like, okay, no, this really is him. So I emailed him back and, you know, he gave me the rundown. And so I sent it in, and, and then he, he responded and was like, you know, do you have anything else? And I did, and he's like, I would really love for you to write um, bi weekly or weekly as a contributing writer. Because a, a lot of what love what matters on their blog and then my writing, they really have like kind of the same message of just... For me, my message is like pain is no excuse to stop seeking joy. That's like my biggest message, I think, to people. So, uh, and Love What Matters has a very similar vibe going on. So yeah, you can find me on there too. If you just look me, look Megan Bajorik up on the website.
0: Awesome. That's exciting. I'm really excited for you. (laughs) Thanks. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today and talking and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It was, it's been awesome. All right, guys. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for another episode soon.